Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? Did you not know? These are the first recorded words of Jesus in the entire Bible. And he speaks them to his parents when he is only 12 years old. Just a few days ago when we celebrated Christmas, we heard about Mary and Joseph gathering around this child in the manger. We remember Gabriel telling Mary exactly who this child would be. We can still picture the the shepherds who came and told Mary and Joseph everything that the angels proclaimed to them out in their fields. I think it's safe for us to say that Mary and Joseph, Jesus' parents, knew more about Jesus than anyone else at this point. And yet even to them, Jesus says, did you not know? It's a wonderfully mysterious statement, one that I'm sure Mary and Joseph didn't fully appreciate at the time. The last thing they wanted to hear, panicked as they were, searching for their son, but but wonderfully mysterious nonetheless. And as we approach our celebration of Epiphany, the the coming of the Magi to the the Christ child, the, the celebration of the revealing of Christ to the nations, who Jesus is and what he has come to do, we see here in Luke chapter 2, 12-year-old Jesus beginning to make it clear that he has come for a singular purpose, to save the world. But first, let's back up for just a moment. Let's better understand what was happening, the reason why they were there in the first place. If you have your Bibles with you, you can open to Luke chapter 2 and follow along. Every year, each Jewish family was expected to travel to Jerusalem for the Passover and stay there for at least two days. The family would take a lamb and and present it at the temple and have it sacrificed there. And then after sundown, they would use that lamb and make their family's Passover meal. And this was a celebration, remember, of the greatest redemptive event in the history of Israel. God passing over their houses in Egypt because of the blood of the lamb on the doorposts, sparing their firstborn sons. And that was the beginning of the process of how God was going to deliver them from slavery in Egypt. And that's why every year Mary and Joseph with their firstborn son traveled to Jerusalem with their family for this feast. And and afterward they would return home in a caravan with all their relatives and acquaintances. And there's no doubt that Mary and Joseph would have assumed that Jesus was in this large group, just like he was every other year. But, But this year was different. Jesus stayed behind. He was listening to the teachers for three days in the temple, and he astonished everyone with his his questions and his understanding, and most of all, with his answers. His parents, when they finally realized that Jesus wasn't with them, began to panic, and, and they began looking for him, and when they found him, they did the thing that probably every parent would do. They, they scolded him. Mary said to Jesus, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Isn't this how we would all feel as parents? 
I'm sure we've all lost a child before, even if it was just for a moment. We've all felt that sudden panic feeling. But picture Jesus' face as his mother is looking down at him, scolding him, and, and he responds with innocent astonishment, truly wondering why they would be worried in the first place. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? The phrase there can actually be translated uh, two different ways, both equally valid. It can be translated, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Or also, did you not know that I must be about my father's business? And I think it's good, actually, to keep both of those in mind simultaneously, that Jesus was in his father's house, a claim, obviously, that he is the son of God. No one else would be making that claim. But he was also there all about his father's business. Now, the gospel writer Luke doesn't tell us specifically what Mary and Joseph were thinking at this point, but he does make two things absolutely clear. First, Mary and Joseph had no idea what Jesus was talking about. The Bible says they didn't understand. And second, that they had clearly expected Jesus to be following them. Mary felt quite right in rebuking Jesus. They had their expectations of what Jesus should be doing. It didn't cross their mind that he would be doing something else. Now, as 21st century hearers of this account, we need to suspend for a moment all that we already know about Jesus from the Bible, because we already know the rest of the story. So, for instance, when Jesus does something unexpected to everybody else, we aren't as surprised. When Jesus is an adult and conducting his ministry, we're fairly used to Jesus going off and doing his own thing. We know his propensity for parables and somewhat hidden sayings. We know that he will follow his father's will, no matter the shock that it might bring to others and the cost that it would bring to himself. But remember something. At this point, nobody else knows that. Jesus is only 12. And for all intents and purposes, we have no reason to believe that Jesus led any kind of extraordinary childhood. Mary and Joseph, other than what they were told about Jesus ever since the days leading up to and immediately after his birth, they would have known Jesus to be a pretty ordinary kid. And after Jesus left Jerusalem with his parents in verse 51, he submitted to them as a child ought to, to his parents. He probably led a very ordinary life as a carpenter's son. And that's what makes this account from Luke chapter 2 stand out all the more. The only account we have of Jesus when he wasn't a very young child or when he wasn't an adult. Jesus knew at a very young age, just a, a couple years older as we heard than the children today, that he would be devoted to his father's business. Not Joseph's business as a carpenter, but his heavenly father's business of mercy and salvation. He knew he had come for something more than what anyone could tell just by looking at him, that he had come to be the world's savior. And although Jesus asks, did you not know? The fact remains that they didn't know. 
But this is the beginning of Jesus beginning to reveal it to them. It's like a mini epiphany, a mini revealing before the main event. And think about something else. Think about how significant it was that all of this took place in the temple. Remember Simeon and Anna, who we heard about last week, waiting in that same temple for God to fulfill all of the promises that God had made to them. And they got to see the eight-day-old Jesus arrive. And it was the same temple where God's presence in the Old Testament had once dwelled in Israel, and that curtain was hung up in the Holy of Holies to shield the sinful people from the almighty glory, the almighty presence of the God of Israel. The temple where the lambs were sacrificed every Passover to point forward to the ultimate sacrifice that was to come. It would be the same temple where Jesus would teach many times in his earthly ministry and where he would be opposed by his enemies. The same temple where he cleansed it of money changers and his righteous anger with a whip of cords. The same temple where Jesus would exclaim, destroy this temple. And in three days, I will raise it up, referring to the temple of his body, which was the perfect temple of God's presence here on earth. And it would be the same temple where the curtain then was torn in two when God's own body was crucified on the cross for our sins on a hill just outside the temple mount. Jesus knew how important his father's house would be to him, to his ministry, to all that he had come to do. That it would be the place of his father's business that the son would go on to accomplish for you and for me. And it began that very day. As Jesus sat there as a young boy, he was beginning to reveal all of this to his parents and to the teachers of the law and to all of us. It would still take several years for the full picture to develop, mostly quiet and ordinary years, years where people didn't know what Jesus was all about. But the time was approaching when he would tell them, and most importantly, he would show them, what he and his father were prepared to do on our behalf. And so we sit here today on the second day of a new year, 2022. We've celebrated another Christmas. We've watched as another year has come and gone. We may be tempted to think that business in our lives is continuing on as normal. Yes, there are many unusual things going on in our world, but when you consider the entire breadth of human history, it's not like any of this is actually surprising, at least it shouldn't be. But as we listen to God's word today, have, have we begun to take Jesus for granted? Do we look at Jesus like Mary and Joseph probably did? And despite all that we have heard this past Christmas about the son who was promised and about all that we know about him, do we still see him as somewhat ordinary? Have we begun to put Jesus in a nice, comfortable box that we just pull off the shelf when we feel like it and then put it away like a Christmas decoration? Do we 
not know? Or do we not always remember what Jesus is truly all about? If so, then what God graciously reminds us of today, perhaps with the surprise that the teachers in the temple must have had or the shock that his parents must have felt when they searched for him, is that Jesus doesn't fit into any of our ordinary boxes. Jesus was born. He grew up increasing in wisdom and stature and lived his entire life from the time when he was a child until the time he died and rose again as an adult, living that entire life for you and for me. We never take for granted that without Jesus, we as sinful human beings have no hope. We can only bow before the Almighty God, recognizing that we deserve nothing except his righteous punishment. But we also know that our God, who so loved the world, who so loves you, sent his son to live and to die for you in your place. And because Jesus submitted to the will of his parents perfectly, and because Jesus submitted to the will of his Father in heaven perfectly, Jesus did it all perfectly for you. This week, as we prepare to celebrate Epiphany, which we'll do as we mentioned this coming Saturday, I hope you're able to to recognize and understand that as we we begin to celebrate Epiphany for a a whole season, it lasts for all of January and February, it is the, the season of light. It's where we journey from Christmas with the good news of our Savior who is born, the light of the world, and we begin to then see the light of the world delivered and proclaimed into all the world and to all nations. And so today sets us up perfectly for that. What we have today is a small preview, a beginning, you might say, of what it means that Jesus became one of us and was willing to be dedicated entirely to the business of his father. And although at the time people might not have known yet, and that Mary and Joseph didn't fully know yet, we give thanks That because of the word delivered to us and the faith granted by God to us, that we do know. We know Jesus. And we know exactly why he came. In his name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.